You're listening to the second part of our Barbenheimer coverage here on Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about new movies that just came out. Uh, So, like I said, this is the part two to Barbenheimer. Last time we talked about Oppenheimer. Today we're talking about Barbie. Um, This is going to be actually pretty spoiler light. Uh, We don't give a spoiler warning for, um, you know, so if you're worried... That we don't give a spoiler warning for this one, but it is relatively light on spoilers. We kind of talk a lot about the themes of the movie without so much the specifics of a lot of the events. So, there you go. Uh, Also, because this is just so interesting as an event, not just as movies, a lot of the discussion in this one is related to uh, the current state of theaters uh, we talk a little bit about the strikes at the end. We've got a secret movie recommendation for you. This one's really got it all. This is a really fun episode. Um, I don't really want to get too much more into the weeds because I want I want you guys to just hear it. It's very long. It's, it ended up being a long episode, just like our Oppenheimer episode. So I hope that you enjoyed the Oppenheimer episode, which I'm going to assume you listened to 10 minutes ago. So here is the second half of that. And before we get into it, uh, this is a song by Matchbox 20 called Push, but as performed by Ryan Gosling and the cast of Barbie. Said I don't know if I've ever been good enough I'm a little bit rusty and I think my head is caving in and I don't know if I've ever been real in love But hand that's touched me and I feel like something's got to give And I'm a little bit angry, well, this ain't over No, not here, no Not well, I still need you around You don't own me, we might change, yeah yeah, we just might feel good I wanna push you around Well, I will, well, I will I wanna push you down Well, I will, well, I will I wanna take you from ground down I wanna take you from ground down Yeah, yeah All right, welcome back. It's been exactly ten minutes. Uh, Pierre, did you did you grab did you grab like a like a coffee or a tea in the I in did. the meantime? I do nice. have a tea. I feel intermissed. Nice. That's that's the word that works. I believe it is. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, just checking. So we just talked about Oppenheimer, and uh, there was obviously another big movie that came out. This weekend, obviously this weekend, not, you know, mm. a weekend previous or of anything. Of course not. Uh, so, Barbie. This is the... So this was a pretty big, majorly hyped movie. I think it's been in production hell. Or, like, not necessarily in production hell, but there's been rumors or some level of production of a Barbie movie for, like, ten years at least. Yeah. I don't know how serious that production has necessarily been for those 10 years, but like 
I remember hearing about the potential of a Barbie movie at least as far back as 2015. Um, but this one, uh, this one actually did it. Like this actually came out from Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie and uh, with a big flashy new production logo from Mattel. So, um, oh yeah, Pierre, what did you think of the flashy production logo from Mattel? Um, I don't know. I'm not really familiar with Mattel. <laughs> I know, like, are they? Do they are are they part of a bigger company or is Mattel like the company? I yeah, think like Mattel is the company. Okay, wow. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think it's interesting that Mattel. It seems like they were we worked pretty closely with Greta, or they might have worked pretty closely with Greta, or they. Seems like they also just kind of let her do whatever she wanted to at the same time because I think there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of Barbie references potentially actually I'm, I don't like to uh, you know different Barbie outfits like there might have been some deep cuts for the Barbie nerds out there I don't know if like that's a there there definitely were like yeah. pretty much everything that's mentioned in this movie exists in. Mm. like pre-existed this movie yeah so either that's because Greta Gerwig is a massive Barbie fan um or she hired some Barbie fans or also you know I think Mattel wanted to wanted to make sure that they were cooperating because I mean it's it's Greta Gerwig she's definitely one of the most um interesting and like well-known uh and and reputable directors in the industry right now especially Mm -hmm. now like like her career is gonna be very interesting after this because she's basically went from uh you know uh, a very well-known oscar director to massive blockbuster uh female director which i from what i can tell is hasn't really happened to the scale at all you know the only the only closest one i can think of is the person i think it was is it Catherine Bigelow who did like Zero Dark Thirty and Yeah. Um I think there's another big one that she did, but yeah. Um and also yeah, and not just on this scale, like this is the biggest debut from a female director ever, as if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. And yeah. like it's <laughs> going to be one of the biggest it's definitely already one of the biggest movies this year Mm -hmm. like we mentioned like we mentioned in the last episode i'm pretty sure it's only real competition is super mario bros and like we're very very early into barbie's run it could surpass super mario bros it's impossible it it is possible and like it's gonna be close and super mario bros is a movie that did over a billion so like if this becomes this would be if it gets over a billion it would be probably the first female directed movie female led movie to get over a billion dollars at the box office if that happens it's really cool and i i feel like it might be the unfortunately might be the first for a while too because but i think this this will ideally be a new you know very inspirational for a lot more female directors and um, we might see a great, a large, much bigger push for that in the future. I, I do know there's another blockbuster by, uh, I think it's Nia, what's her name? Nia De, DeCoste or De Lacoste, um, who's directing the Marvels. Sounds... Oh, yeah, okay. Um, Gosh, I 
I am actually excited for that movie, but boy, I really hope it's good because I'm Mar- Marvel. Yeah, I don't know. We don't have to get into it right now, but Marvel's <laughs> certainly uh, oh, yeah. hit, hit and miss. Very, oh, yeah. a, a lot more miss these days. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that like, you know, there's so there's another female led blockbuster in the next in the next year. So if that does well, too, um, hopefully, then, then, yeah, I think they'll, they'll, there's going to be a massive shift in the industry, potentially, you know, because I, I think specifically with Barbie, that's very obviously a movie that was made to um, appeal to women and it's it's doing its its job you know and it shows that mm-hmm. that women are a uh, a very like they're a potential blockbuster target that a lot of studios are ignoring i think is still you know mm-hmm. so and i think barbie did a good job of taking that market and really making making it its own thing so yeah good for barbie uh, and greta so pierre did you see this movie with a woman i did yeah <clears throat> nice <laughs> Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was, I I thought, um, I mean, there was a lot of women in the audience too. So mm-hmm. it uh, it just, it just made sense. Actually, well, no, this friend, she never wants to watch movies, which that's why it surprised me so much that she wanted to watch Barbie. It's like the first time she's ever said, hey, I want to watch a movie. Because uh, she knows I watch movies like every week or yeah. something. But she's never, ever shown interest in a movie until Barbie. And I think that just goes to show like, you know, the impact the movie has in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, you know, or at least the marketing because <laughs> she hadn't seen the movie yet, but the marketing, this movie was insanely good too. Yeah. I think it's like, it's always, um, obviously you and me are like very into movies. And so we hear about a lot of movies, mm-hmm. but like, it's always kind of sobering to me to, or not, I don't know about sobering. It's like confusing when I talk to other people, like my normal friends, and they're like, oh, I've never heard of this movie. And I'm like, wait, this movie, I don't know what it was. Like, I don't know, Mission Impossible 7. It's like, it's been, it's the seventh one and it's been being yeah. promoted for two years. What do you mean you've never heard of it? It's like, oh, well, I just, I don't know. I guess I've heard of Mission Impossible before. I just didn't yeah. know there was a new movie coming out. It's like, how? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I I mean, I, I think it's just showing that this year, like the, uh, the, the the movies the I feel like the culture just kind of shifted in a lot of ways. Like it, it it is actually insane how many of these massively well known franchises just no one realizes their movies came out, and when you tell mm-hmm. them about it, they literally don't care. You know, like yeah, like literally like five or six franchises this summer just kind of died. Yeah, actually, come to think of it, I don't know. I've had exactly one friend talk to me about. Un- unprompted about Indiana Jones, like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how many people realized there was a new one. Obviously, we did, but like, yeah, I don't well, know if I the mean, marketing was like super the, strong. Yeah, if if the guy, if the guys, if the only people that are talking about are the guys that watch every movie every week, then you know, like, I don't think it basically doesn't count. Gonna, yeah, exactly. Um. All right, so obviously this is uh, before we talk about the movie itself. Uh, how how experienced are you with Greta Gerwig? How many of her other things have you seen? Um, well, as far as I can tell, she only—I mean, 
if my memory serves me right, she has two other movies right now out, which is... She has lady. two other solo directed movies, okay. one co-directed That's movie, right. and she's been an actress in several things. Uh, okay, so she was writing mostly until Lady Bird, except for yeah, yeah. nights and weekends. Okay, I have not seen that. It's it's or, with our old acting. buddy Joe Swanberg. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Anyways, let's not talk about Joe Swanberg. Um, yeah, I don't know. She yeah, I've seen Lady Bird. I saw that. I, I, I guess, like, technically, like, I've, I've been following her career relatively closely because I have seen each of these movies, like, around the time they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, Lady Bird was, was quite good. It was a, from what I remember, it's a, just a very raw and, like, messy movie, if that makes sense. But, like, mm-hmm. it was very, very well done. I know that one's, like, I think that one's probably her most, um, it, it's, a, it's a tough one to like, if that makes sense. Like, compared to... I think Little Women and Barbie are a lot more uh, likable, if that makes sense. Whereas Lady Bird is kind of right. like, because Lady Bird, the main character, you're not really supposed to like her that much because, you know, she's she's going through a tough time in her life. She's kind of a mess. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's just like, you know, she's a, she's a tough character to like at first. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, and it's a tough movie to watch too because there's some very... You kind of it kind of takes you through the the unfortunate awkwardness and um, misgivings and pain of you know growing up um, as as a young woman I guess you know and going through that mm-hmm. stage of your life. So I don't know. Have you seen it? I I haven't. I recently started oh, okay. watching it, but didn't I didn't get very far because a friend came over and I just stopped. But the very beginning of the movie, uh, they finish listening to an audiobook, and uh, Saoirse Ronan, I don't know what her character's name is. I think it's just Ladybird, right? I can't remember. <laughs> it's okay. be anyway, wants to be Saoirse Ronan. Ladybird. I think that's like. <laughs> she like goes to turn on the radio and her mom like stops her and she goes, hold on, hold on. Let's just sit in this. We don't have to be entertained all the time. And I heard that and I was like oh my God, we don't have to be entertained all the time. I'm going to go sit on my couch and like listen to the silence for a minute. Yeah. And then I, and then a friend came over. So I, (laughs) I didn't do that, but (laughs) it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, you never know which lines in movies or in interviews or whatever are going to be the ones that stick with you. But that was a particular, that was a, that was a line so powerful. I had to stop the movie and go back to it another time. The movie was so good, it got you to stop watching it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's on, honestly, like, please take that as a glowing endorsement. Mm-hmm. Go watch Lady Bird at least in the first five minutes. <laughs> no, that, that actually sounds like a good line. I, I do like that. Um, yeah, so I don't know. That movie was great. And then Little Women. I don't. Did we talk about Little Women? I actually don't know. I don't think we did. I think okay. that was... Um, we definitely weren't talking about all the best picture winners at the time. That might have been the very first year of this show. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Did you see Little Women? Yes, I saw it and I really loved it. That was like the year of Florence Pugh. And I was like, damn, mm. she's in. She was in like banger after banger after banger. And that was I think I actually wrote an article about it for the school newspaper about like how Florence Pugh should be the one that wins awards for this. 
yeah, she really took over. No, I think we did. I feel like we talked about it a bit, at least during the Oscars. Yeah, during the Oscars. Yeah, I we, remember talking about Florence Pugh. We didn't do an episode on it, but we. Yeah. But I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and that was a pretty. That was a pretty. Well, that, that was actually. Well, I think both of our favorite years for the Oscars, right? The 2019 Oscars. Yeah, um, I think so. But yeah, no, I I remember Florence Pugh. I think the biggest thing about her role was that she convincingly played a 12-year-old and a 30-year-old, even though she, she didn't look like a 12-year-old. Like, yeah. That was always a little weird about the movie, but I think the movie, it was one of those cases where the movie was so good that you kind of look over those things because mm-hmm. I think it it was a risk and I think it worked because it helped us bond with the characters no matter. Because I, I think it does hurt a movie when you can, you know, the actor is different. Um, especially in Little Women, because half the movie is in the past when they're young and then the future, right? Mm-hmm. So it'd be really tough to connect with the characters if they were um, just switching actors, you know, every every 10 minutes. So I think that was yeah. kind of a necessary risk. And I thought it I thought it worked very well, despite, you know, I think the actors, Greta Gerwig did a good job of selecting her cast and they all did a good job of capturing childhood as well as adulthood very well. Mm-hmm. Very well, cool to see. Um, so now we're on to her third solo movie, Barbie. Mm-hmm. Barbie. That's so uh, quite a big change. It's it's <laughs> very about... different. <laughs> yeah. It definitely still has. It definitely still has a lot of the same DNA as those other movies, but this is yeah. like a Barbie and Little Women double feature would be a little weird. Like, I guess yeah. you could make it work, but it would be strange. Especially, or like a Ladybird Barbie double feature would also be very weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I think they both have, like, elements of uh, each movie. You know, I think what? parts of Ladybird are kind of captured in the young character in Barbie, the, the young girl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously little women's themes are very important in Barbie. So it's kind mm-hmm. of a... It, it, you know, Greta Gerwig did, you know, it's not like it came out of nowhere, I guess. Like, geez. No, I think it definitely does. It definitely feels like it's still the same director. It's just mm. very different as a movie. Yeah. So uh, I was a little surprised at how... Um, I was a little surprised at how difficult I found the plot of barbie to actually talk about afterwards Mm. uh so do you want to tell us what the plot is about oh of course great um barbie is about uh you have stereotypical barbie who lives in barbie land and in barbie land they assume that all women's problems are fixed in the real world because of barbie and then one day barbie gets severely depressed for no reason and it turns out it's potentially because the person that's playing with her in the real world is also depressed and she must go find that little girl and tell her and, and fix the issue so that Barbie can go back to being happy in Barbie land and not having any concerns anymore. Essentially. That's, that's the inciting incident. The thing is like, it spins wildly out of control very quickly. Oh yeah. The, what the first act sets up is very different from the second act. Which sets up a very different third act, I think. There's a lot of yeah. different things going on here. And like, 
I find the world building in this movie so weird, like mm-hmm. not bad, just very strange mm-hmm. uh, in, in a very good way, actually. Like it, um, it sets up that Barbies are. So Barbie world is like both imaginary and real at the same time, because all the Barbies are acting like dolls being played with. And yeah. then they just also can go to the real world through a series of funny montages. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they have autonomy, which is very strange. It's like, it's definitely a world where the less you think about it, the easier a time you have with it. Which, I mean, honestly, not a bad thing. I thought it was like so weird and abs- not even abstract. Just like, so obviously fake and artificial that it kind of was like it it sort of forced you to not worry about it yeah and focus on the other stuff yeah i think it kind of reminds me of lego movie where the lego movie i was also kind of like wait so they're playing with they're being played with does that mean they have any emotions is this all fake or like what's going on but in the end you're just kind of like like it works for the movie so like whatever I think it's good that they didn't try to explain it too much or delve too deep into it because, yeah, like it's literally impossible to explain it properly, which is ironically, mm-hmm. I think, an issue Lego Movie 2 had from what I remember is that they kind of got a little too meta with it or something and it got weird. At the Yeah, at the very end of the Lego Movie, I think the Legos were acting on their own, but it wouldn't have made sense with the way the movie had been done up to that point. Right, yeah. Or something. It was strange. <laughs> yeah. It just it's good it's good to set up a some sort of prem because essentially they just had to set up the idea that Barbie is depressed because of yeah. someone in the real world. And that's all they really they that's all they needed to set up. And I think they did that well without delving too deep into it. So mm-hmm. um yeah. And then there was there was kind of like a meta um feeling to the script slash like tone of the movie where it was like we know this doesn't make sense and that's okay so uh yeah. i thought that was like a smart thing to do too i guess mm-hmm. so yeah and so, uh, um oh yeah go ahead oh, well i was gonna ask what you what'd you think of barbie i thought it was pretty good i thought it was uh i've seen this movie twice um and i really really liked it the first time I still liked it a lot for the same reasons the second time, but I think it's like, it's not, um, it's got some weak spots, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's really funny. I think that it's social commentary is like very good for what it sets out to do, uh, which I guess we'll get into. Um, But like, it's not, it's not a super deep movie, but it's really, really good at being a, like, just a little bit more than a shallow movie. Like, it's not a cash grab. Yeah. There's heart to it, but yeah. it's not, like, it's it's not really complex by any means. Yeah, I, I think that was one of the issues. Like, I don't know. I actually didn't. I thought it was all right. I definitely think it was like I hyped myself up too much for it. Like it's unfortunate Fair. that I didn't see it the day it came out because I think I kept hearing like, oh, this movie is amazing and stuff all week. And then I watched it and I really wanted to like it. Like um, like my friend was telling me, oh, my 
like I've heard some mixed things. I was like, nah, it's like, come on, like, don't be a downer. This movie's gonna be amazing. And then I watched it. I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of see why some people might have reservations. It's, I think it, it actually honestly reminds me a lot of Oppenheimer, where there's a lot of interesting things going for it. And um, I think I appreciate a, the movie a lot in a lot of aspects. But mm-hmm. I think in terms of sticking the landing and having like the message work and having a lot like the the climax of the movie really stick, just it didn't really work for me in the end. And um, it's still like a very enjoyable movie. And like, but I wouldn't say like this is what I expected. I expected a little more from Greta Gerwig, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. in the cast, because from what I can tell, it just feels like. It feels like one of those sat like Saturday morning kids movies, but with a massive budget and Oscar winning director, writer, and cast, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of what we got. And um, I was expecting something like a little more than that, though. So, so yeah, it's it's a it's a great it's a great fun movie, but um, definitely a lot of um, issues with it. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Greta Gerwig, like the the directing was very, I think she definitely brought like a certain, um, she, ha- she had a lot of fun directing this movie, you can tell. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was like the production design in Barbie mm-hmm. Land was like immaculate. I, I wanted, I loved it a lot. And I thought it was, a, I thought it was really, really well done. And I mean, I think that's a big part of what was like the selling point of this movie, you know, is that like. It, it looks so cool and so fun. So, like, obviously, uh, if you haven't seen the video, don't go watch it. But uh, <laughs> even Ben Shapiro says that the production design and the costume design is, like, immaculate in this. And he made an entire video about hating this movie because I think I think he's a liar. Like, I don't think he liked it, but I don't think he ever... I don't think he has a truthful bone in his body. But he did like the production design and mm-hmm. the and the costume design, which like are kind of amazing in this. I definitely would agree that that's easily the strongest part of the movie. Yeah, I, I'm honestly I was kind of surprised they spent because I thought the I I was thinking like the budget for shooting in Barbie Land must be insane because I I thought they'd spend the first act there and then you just kind of see Barbie Land maybe for a bit at the end. But they spent actually a lot of time in Barbie Land, and which I'm really glad for, because when I heard, especially in the first trailer, when I heard Barbie in the real world, I was like, "Oh no, it's one of these." Oh, and <laughs> yeah. it it thankfully wasn't at least not entire. It it took a it actually put a unique spin on that concept versus yeah. like just being, "Oh no, a toy in the real world. This yeah. is weird." Yeah, like, I mean, that's, I feel like we've seen that movie a lot of times, <laughs> like the, yeah, like, oh, it's like, this is so, because they, they do kind of play into that at the start, and I was a little worried, um, mm-hmm. but they kind of just go with it, and then the movie moves past that, and <clears throat> that's definitely not, I think, I like, the first example I'm thinking of is Sonic, where you get like, like, oh, this, this weird character's in the real world, and you're just kind of like, okay, like, this, this has done, been done, like, so many times before, and it's mm-hmm. kind of a generic thing. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the only problem, though, is that the 
Barbie, <laughs> I think Barbie Land was actually too colorful. I think it like gave me a headache after a while watching it. <laughs> like it's, it's like too well done because yeah, it's very bright colors, very oversaturated. And it kind of tired my eyes out after a bit. I'm not going to lie, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like it's just, I guess I just putting it out there. I mean, it probably like is the purpose, which like, so, yeah. you know, well executed at least. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, the, I love the sets. I, I actually like, they must've shot it in a studio. Right. But it's insane to me how like they did some of those sets because it never looked green screen either. Um, but what I did like about Barbie land also is that like when it, like it looked fake on purpose, but it was like a very artsy, like artsy, like obviously like when you're, when you see the shot of the, um, what, what, what is it? The four faces on the rock. What is that called? The like Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Mount Rushmore version of Barbie in Barbie land. It's like, it's like obviously like a matte painting. Right. Um, yeah. but it kind of plays into Barbie lands kind of, um, feeling, you know, like there's a lot of cheap parts of it that look cheap but like that's kind of the point because it's like this is a play this is a play set technically and yeah like when there's a matte painting of mount rushmore but barbies it's like you can't go there it's there as part of the background because yeah. it's a background that came with a toy or something yeah, yeah but like there's no depth to it they're never gonna go to that mountain oh, okay and if yeah. they did it would look entirely different right yeah so i I thought that was that things like that are really smart. Also, like those little sparkle effects, like those were really cheap, but like I thought they added a lot to the mm -hmm. to the kind of aesthetic of of Barbie Land. I almost thought I kind of wish we saw more Barbie Land. There was only like I want to say like three actual sets or set pieces, which was Barbie's neighborhood, the beach. Actually, I think and that might be it. I can't think of another one. I would say the third biggest behind those would be the Supreme Court. Okay, yeah. But, like, that's that's in two scenes, right? Yeah. Maybe, like... Oh, no, I guess uh, the odd the odd Barbie's uh, house, too. Oh, yeah, Weird Barbie's yeah, house. Yeah. I, I did love... I love the... Um, I mean, I guess they have to be, like... I just... I love the set design of, like, these places that are completely open and, like... Because obviously, so the person can play with the Barbie, but to me, it honestly just looked like like a cool place to live. Honestly, like I was like, oh, like yeah, like living in a roofless place would actually be kind of cool. Actually, like that doesn't seem that bad. I mean, obviously, issues of privacy would be a problem, but I I, I thought it looked I thought it looked really fun. You know, have you like heard any of the behind the scenes on the set design for this? No, I honestly, the set design is something I'd be really interested in finding out more though. So, like, there's some behind-the-scenes videos of the um, production and, like, how they filmed the montage where they're traveling. Like, they actually just put it... Because it, it, that's all practical effects. And, like, it is just actually matte paintings being, like, going by in the background while they're in, like, a tiny prop car. Yeah, yeah. That, with, like, a road being replaced underneath them on a conveyor belt, which is so yeah. cool. Yeah. And then um, one of the production designers, they said um, that for the designs of the houses and the cars and stuff, they took measurements on Barbies and found out that the Barbie dream house is about, the roof is about 23% higher 
than a, like 23% taller than a Barbie. So when they were designing the houses, they took Margot Robbie's measurements and made the house about 23% taller than Margot Robbie. Oh, wow. And like scaled everything by about 23% so yeah. that it looks like she's a toy. Yeah. Oh, that's so quite, like I love that. the reason for the exact size of the car is that. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, you could tell the production had a lot of fun doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, uh, I, yeah, it worked out really well, but, um, yeah. What, what'd you think of the acting? I thought it was pretty good. I think there's one person in this who we're about to talk about. Who's like so much better than everyone else that he just <laughs> kind of ruins the entire thing for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I but like, I think it's, um, yeah, I think the acting in this, the acting in this is like really funny. The the characters, like Margot Robbie's, she's very fun and she has a lot of fun with it. You can tell yeah. that, I think one of my favorite things about this movie, and I'm sure we're going to keep saying it, it's very clear that everyone in this movie is having a good time. Like, yeah, I can't offhand <laughs> think of any movie where it's like, oh, you can tell that they, well, actually I can. In The Flash, for example. <laughs> like, Michael Shannon looks like he wants to die in that movie like he he looks miserable and in this movie everyone looks as far away from miserable as is possible to look like everyone is having so much fun and you can just really tell through their performances and um i think like overall i think the acting is very very cool just for that reason um in terms of like and, and, like, I think a lot of people are pretty good in this. Ryan Gosling is so much better than everyone else that, like, he... It almost makes everyone else look bad by comparison, in my op- opinion. Yeah, that's why, like, honestly, you know, there's there's a big sentiment, and, like, deservedly so, I'd say. But for me, like, when I was watching the movie, it really felt like the, the feminism angle kind of got, like, less focused because like Barbie didn't actually get that much to do in her own movie, in my opinion. Whereas Ken can completely own this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I guess technically he had less screen time, but like, like all, I think all the emotional parts hit with him. I thought all the, all the humor was given to Ken mostly. And, um, you know, it's just like, it, it works. It works so much better. And Ryan Gosling, I, I do, I don't like love, love his performance. I think, I actually, honestly, I think everyone in this movie probably purposely, but they kind of overacted and I didn't like that part where mm-hmm. um, it's like you could tell they were having fun, if that makes sense, like too much, you know? Like, yeah, okay. I, I think one thing with uh, a movie like this is when you're in Barbie land, I feel like you want to take it seriously to a point, you know? in the acting mm-hmm. and i think it felt like everyone was like oh like everyone knew barbie land was weird but they were going with it you know whereas it would i right. thought it would have been better to me if they were like this is this is normal but it felt like the actors were like this is not normal and we're gonna act not normal and uh and it's, that's why like some parts of it just felt like too much for me um you know like the whole like beach off scene i think that was a really cringe scene for me because 
it was like a very obvious like sexual allegory there or metaphor mm. there but like it's like the actors all knew and the and the characters all knew that it was weird so they were kind of like playing into it i think the point is that they're supposed to be acting like kids playing with them that's how a kid would talk yeah. but i still didn't like it <laughs> to be honest um i mean i don't know if i mean i guess i don't know what kids are like these days but I don't know if kids would be sitting there with dolls and going, I'm going to beat you off. I'm going to yeah. beat you off. <laughs> that's not something kids do. Yeah. So <laughs> now that you say that, I'm like, no, that's not how kids talk. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like stuff like that didn't work. But yeah, Ryan, I think Ryan Gosling, um, I think he really worked well in the real world too. Because his, mm-hmm. his zaniness contrasted with, you know, everyone acting normal. Like that, I think, my one of my favorite parts is the scene where he asks the person for the time or the person asks him for the time and he has like an existential revelation of he has value in the world. I think he and literally it, says I think he literally responds with you respect me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he runs off and then with this newfound respect and he applies to like 20 different jobs and he's rejected and then he comes back to the school like it seems like five minutes later and then he talks to the same girl and he's like, like men rule the world. Like why do men, why do men ride horses or something? Like it was just some weird and you could tell, I thought, I thought the deadpan of the actor he was playing against worked really well, but yeah, like honestly, like this was Ken, Ken's emotional arc was very well done. I thought Ryan Gosling, um, you know, despite despite my criticisms of the acting overall in the movie, I thought he made it work by far the most. And mm-hmm. you can tell he was having a lot of fun with it. And yeah, I don't know. I, I I wanted to see more Ken, honestly, after the movie was over, which I think is unfortunate because this is the Barbie movie. And yeah. I feel like I should want to see more Barbie. But to me, Barbie herself wasn't that interesting of a character. She was like, I feel like, Ken was I feel like Barbie and Ken both Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling's performances were very sincere but in very different ways like where you're talking about everyone being kind of in on the joke it felt like Ryan Gosling was but he was playing it as if he wasn't and he was like the only person really playing into that because like when when Ryan Gosling's Ken was um being very silly it or like making or, or like doing very stupid things. It felt like the reason he was doing that is because his character actually would, and he was being sincere about it. Just yeah. that his character is kind of an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Where like when Simu Liu is doing stuff, yeah, he's a himbo, but like he's also very clearly just, you know, leaning into the joke. Where Margot Robbie's character was not stupid at least not nearly to the same degree as everyone else in this movie, or at least not nearly to the degree as the Ken's in this movie. Um, so like her character isn't stupid. She's just a little naive, but she's playing into like, she's sort of playing into like a woman finding herself. And she's basically having a coming of age story as, you know, someone who isn't actually coming of age per se, but mm-hmm. is sort of kind of figuring out what it means to be human and she does that very well. It's just that, like, it feels like th- it feels like with the way that this movie plays out, that's a good arc, and it's potentially the main arc of the movie, but it's not like the strongest arc of the movie. 
Yeah, I I thought Margot had some really good moments. Like there's that scene where she's kind of looking at the real world and she sees like, you know, good points and bad highlights and like low lights. And she's just kind of appreciating the feeling of the realness of it all, you know, and like, you mm-hmm. know, the pain, the pain and the good, like the pain goes well with the good stuff. And, you know, there's moments like that where she does give a very genuine, um, like, I, I think she, she acted as well as she could in this role, you know, um, mm-hmm. I just, I just think, script wise barbie's character doesn't really get to shine that much you know like the third act she doesn't really do that much herself it's just kind of like her it's kind of like she's finding things out but she's not Mm -hmm. really changing as a character too much in her art you know like i think she has this appreciation of the real world that she learns and she learns that in the real world, all all women aren't, you know, aren't like Barbie. And um, that's not too much of an arc for me. And it it still kind of it still kind of felt flat for me because like I, I think there was the angle of feminism that didn't really land because partly because the movie wasn't taking itself seriously enough in some mm-hmm. ways and partly because it 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 didn't really always I, I i think well actually just to get into one of the core issues of i have with the movie is just that like it didn't feel genuine um with a lot of its themes you know there was themes of feminism and, and anti-capitalism and um you know men men are men take advantage of women in society um and i i agree with all of them it's just that it's like the movie mentions them and it doesn't really talk about them or it mentions them and it doesn't really find any issues. Like, like for example, there's this weird implication at the end of the movie, because there's this implication that Barbie land is instead of a patriarchy, it's actually a matriarchy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's normal for Barbie land. And uh, that is a good thing. And, and there's an implication that if women actually had more power than men in the real world, uh, women would be doing the same women would be treating the men the same way in a matriarchy and I thought that was odd because I think it implies that if women had more power they would be just as bad as men and, well and I think that like for a lot of this movie it does sort of much more subtle well not explicitly but that the movie does sort of set up how specifically the like the patriarchy is bad for women, but also how it's like not constructive at the very least for men. Mm. Um, And I think it does a good job of like a very introductory level, a very surface level examination of like, why is the patriarchy bad? And Mm. then you're right at the end, it doesn't completely turn back on itself, but it does sort of like put things back to the way they were and just say that's, that's better. And it's like, well, I guess maybe better, but it's not good. Yeah, exactly. Like there's like when there were Ken's were like, we want a seat on the Supreme Court. They were like, oh no, well, maybe we'll put you in one of the, I don't know, was it like the regional courts or something? Like that's as far as you'll yeah, get lower circuit now. courts. Yeah, and then there was like a a joke about how, um, 
like I think that it's the narrator says that so kind of like the same way men treat women in the real world but then it's just like so you're saying barley so you're implying that that they that Ken's will continue to continue to be treated unfairly in Barbie land just like it, it's like it's like the movie admitted that there was no actual change and it's it's like in a way it's kind of like a meta reference to the real world where like there'll be a movie about you know like women progressing in society but it's kind of like an illusion and that it's like an illusion constructed by men but it just didn't make sense for this movie specifically because that was like a very tacked on message potentially that didn't get expanded on further at the very end you know i mean like maybe it's more excusable if you consider the entire movie from the context of like a girl playing with dolls where at the very end her conclusion where at the very end the conclusion of this hypothetical little girl is Ah, well, women will rule the world and maybe men will also get a chance someday. And that's good. And like, I mean, if you want to consider it that way, maybe I'm giving the movie too much credit, but like, um, it's, I think, I think what I'm trying to get at is a lot of this movie is very simplistic as if it was a kid playing with dolls. Mm -hmm. And it feels like that's an easy excuse for a lot of the movie it feels like it's not necessarily bad in that because this is a movie about a doll. Um, but it's also like so many points where it could be better with just like small tweaks end up being, you know, well, you can excuse it because it's a kid playing with dolls. Yeah, I, I feel like the movie might rely on that a little too much for me. Because, yeah, there's it's like you can't. I mean, I guess you can, you, you can, they, they have these very heavy themes alongside a very light plot. And I know I, it's definitely working for some people because it's, it's hitting, you know, it's hitting some emotional chords with a lot of, a lot of its audience. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just think as a movie, it works more as a statement than as a movie, I guess, from what I can tell. And um, I think if, if it embraced the kid side more then stuff like that wouldn't bother me as much. But the whole movie, like the whole point of the movie is, is that kind of angle of uh, like dealing, you know, de dealing with the real world and dealing with women's status in society. And mm -hmm. it just, it felt oddly like it wasn't taking that seriously enough or it was taking it seriously, but like not in a constructive way if that makes sense because i i really don't know what in the end what the movie was trying to show overall about about what we what we can do for for women you know and how and showing it's just, it's just it just felt more like a kind of it felt like a movie that was about like venting you know mm -hmm. about these problems and that's okay like i i think that's that's totally fine but um, I guess in the same vein as, you know, when we talked about the Joker is that it's not really sending a clear message, just kind of throwing some ideas out there. And then if some of these emotional moments hit, then that's cool. But there's no real direction for that theme, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it was the same thing with the capitalism stuff. Like, um, obviously Mattel 
seems like they're very okay with being shit on and i don't think they care because this movie's gonna make them a buttload of money <laughs> but like i think the thing is, is just that like, that's why it just felt disingenuous because there's this idea that's like oh like capitalism is a consequence of the patriarchy but this movie is drenched in capitalism <laughs> for a feminist well, movie and it it's just, like it felt also very disingenuous to me i don't like that to me, it felt like the least sincere part of the movie, but also like it was mined very heavily for jokes. So yeah. like, to me, I don't see any part of this movie, even when it is, even when the words it's saying are vaguely anti-capitalist, I don't see any part of this movie as an anti-capitalist movie. But also they cast Will Ferrell in the role of the CEO character mm. and made him, made his character 100% jokes. So it's yeah. like, I feel like I feel like it's almost more it's not necessarily a joke at the expense of capitalists or anti-capitalists. It's just sort of vague. It almost feels like it's more a joke about trying to like um, trying to like make a statement in a movie like this when you the way that the the anti-capitalist themes if there were any are even mentioned um because like i think it's i think it's a very funny joke and i think it's very intentionally a joke um that will ferrell's ceo character he says at one point at some point someone's like but we can make a boatload of money it doesn't matter if it's barbie or ken and he goes shame on you i didn't get into this business for the bottom line i didn't get into this business for the money i got into this business for the dreams of little girls in the least creepy way possible <laughs> and it's like it seems like that it, it sounds like that's very intentionally like i mean he's very intentionally a jokey quippy funny character yeah. And like, it doesn't sound like any, and n none of the stuff that he says rings particularly poignant about capitalism or anything. Cause like, it's all jokes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that was a little like, it, okay. How do I say this? It, it doesn't directly, you're right. It doesn't directly at, attack capitalism, but I, I, I think in like an indirect way, well, actually, I don't know. Because the way Mattel was designed and, and like this idea, because I, I think you can't entirely separate pro-capitalism and um, um, feminism in terms of like their effect. Because there was, there was this implication that like, oh, uh, in the patriarchy, these huge companies are only ruled by men and women aren't mm -hmm. allowed. Women aren't like even allowed in the boardroom, basically. And they're just sold as products, essentially, by men. Mm -hmm. Um. So to me, like, like, yeah, it, it never truly like attacks capitalism, but there is very much a, a sentiment of it. Um, I, I will say I was surprised as, at, at how little Will Ferrell's character actually ended up impacting like the third, the third act in any way. Mm -hmm. uh, he was kind of like a red herring, I'd say, because he's set up as the main villain. And then you realize, later, well, I'm not going to spoil anything, but you realize later it's not him. And he's just, he's mostly just kind of there, honestly. Like he doesn't, well, Farrell doesn't actually do much in this movie. <laughs> he has some, yeah. he has some fun moments, but yeah, he doesn't have a huge impact. And I was kind of sad about that too. I don't know. I, I was really excited to see Will Ferrell in like a good movie for once. And he wasn't that good in this either. Like I thought it was really weird how you have like a lot of the real world was like 
legit. And then you go into Mattel and it's like, it's like Barbie land, but inside Mattel, you know, where it's like cartoonishly corporate for some reason. Like the Century City scene where Ken is discovering capital, uh, not capitalism, patriarchy is like already a little cartoonish, but mm-hmm. it's just cartoonish in the way that it's edited. Like mm-hmm. all of it almost makes sense as like a real interaction that you could have. Mm-hmm. And it's just edited very funny. But then like when Barbie is running from the Mattel employees at Mattel, it's like Scooby-Doo logic. It's that level of cartoonish. Yeah. Like, like one thing I found that was particularly like, it's it was kind of funny, but also I kind of hated it. There's at least one character who's like, he's like a background character in Mattel, but he is just there. He's part of the big group. And every time he ru- every time he's going anywhere, he runs by pulling his legs all the way up. So he like he's very visually running yeah. every time, which like people don't actually run that way, except in cartoons. Mm-hmm. And he's like super playing into it. Yeah, that's um, that that was like like that chase scene in in Mattel. It was like funny for like. 20 seconds and then it went on for like three minutes or something and you're just like like you can't have like a comedic moment like that where the only joke is that they can't actually like it doesn't even make it like why can't they run like why can't they run normally this is the real world I I didn't get it like and again it's like a funny visual gag but like you can't have like Barbie's running for her life and then it's just turned into a joke for two minutes it's like mm-hmm. there's no tension, there was no, and then there was no like interesting, uh, in, like interactions with the characters, and it's the same thing. Like there's like a, there's like a half-assed like car chase like right after, and you could tell like, that I mean I, I feel like the car chase was just kind of there to give the characters time to interact, but mm-hmm. it didn't like there was no there was never any tension of like is Mattel gonna catch Barbie, you know there's like. It did not feel that way at all. And I just thought that was so weird because, I mean, maybe it was because Mattel did not want to be portrayed <laughs> as completely, like, psycho. Like, I think if you add, like, a joking lens to it, then, like, they're seen less, like, assholes. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Um, but it's just, it, it just felt so weird to me. And I think Will Ferrell, too, like, disappointed me because that, he he was overacting as well. Like, I think he's an amazing comedic actor, but it, with his deadpan delivery but this was like the opposite of deadpan like he was really cheesing it up oh yeah and it in this cat in this sense it definitely didn't make any sense because again he's a real world he's a real world person he's not he is not being played with in barbie land so i just i liked him and i liked the inter i liked his character to an extent but did his character really work for the plot not really no I thought that uh, Jamie Demetrio Demetrio only has like two or three lines in this, but I felt like those two or three lines were all of all the Mattel employees, which is essentially Jamie Demetrio and Will Ferrell. Jamie Demetrio gets all the good lines. Yeah, like there's a sign, there's a scene right where right where the Mattel employees are about to go to Barbie Land, and Will Ferrell mm-hmm. says, "This could mean very weird things for our world." Uh, probably weirder than you can possibly imagine. And Jamie Demetriou immediately goes, 
a podcast hosted by two wizened trees, a chorus of 2,000 <laughs> young <That> was, fathers. <laughs> that was actually really funny. I was just like, those are literally the, like, like the two most random things that you could have said there, and it actually like worked really well. And then, yeah, that's... Those are like some of the best lines in the movie and they, they just come out of completely out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I think what made them work is just that like, I feel like usually in a joke like that, you hear some like really weird, like really weird, like, like wacky things. But in that, it was just like very oddly poetic and like interesting <laughs> ideas. Like, like I'd never thought of the idea of casting 2000 young fathers <laughs> in a choir, like on purpose, like, I was like, what would that sound like? I don't know. Like, that was interesting. Probably sound like a choir with 2,000 young men. Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, what, I don't, what's special about them being fathers. I, I, exactly. But I thought that was like really like it made me think, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There was, so, yeah, that, that line was actually really well done. And, uh, you know, I, I, I thought they were it was a the Mattel corporate group was like a fun batch. Um. And that's like, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm being, it's it's just, it's a fun movie. Um, I just wish, how do I say this? It's a fun, it's a fun movie that I think was overhyped for me. And I think that's part of my, my issues. I thought I would see some very deep revelations. And in the end, I kind of got like, just kind of a fun, goofy movie that anyone can enjoy, if that makes sense. Which like, isn't a bad yeah. thing. Yeah, it's not. I think it's important to stress that, like, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It's just that, no. like, it's definitely, it's weird to compare this movie to Oppenheimer. Like, it's weird that those are the two movies that are, like, paired. Yeah. Because yeah. Oppenheimer is definitely an awful lot deeper than this one. Yeah, they're definitely polar opposites. Um, yeah. But yeah. Ironically enough, I just think they both had these heavy themes that neither really tackled too too well. In my opinion, I know you don't feel the same about Oppenheimer. I I think Oppenheimer yeah. was like I, I thought Oppenheimer did its themes pretty well, but Oppenheimer yeah. is also like much more abstract, which mm. isn't an excuse necessarily. It's just that like Barbie when it's when Barbie is tackling its themes. It's very on the nose about what it wants you to care about. Oppenheimer oh, yeah. is not intentionally obtuse, but it's like not, you know, it doesn't spell out what it's talking about for you in the script. Like it's like I said, it's not obtuse. It's very obvious. A lot of the themes of Oppenheimer are very obvious, at least mm -hmm. at a thematic level, if not necessarily you know, what Nolan's stance is on anything, potentially. But, like, it's, um, you know, Barbie has multiple lines in it that might as well just be, by the way, the patriarchy is bad. Mm -hmm. Which, it communicates effectively. Don't get me wrong. It's just, like, it's very straightforward. Yeah. Because it's a movie about a doll who... It's a movie about dolls where, at the very beginning, Ryan Gosling runs into a plastic wave and does three flips... Yeah. So like, <laughs> it's a very different kind of movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a fun time. I would like. Do I want to watch it again necessarily? Like, like maybe eventually. But I'm not like, oh my god, like Barbie's the movie of the year. Um. Yeah. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm a little disappointed because I feel like also I was really interested to see Greta Gerwig really like, I mean, I guess I, I was going to say like really make her presence known in Hollywood. I mean, she did. So like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that. I just wish it was like from at least from my own selfish perspective, I wish it was a much uh, more, I'd say better movie um, that anyone, uh, anyone could appreciate. Whereas I think from what I can, it's, it feels mostly like it's a movie for young girls and that I, I had fun watching, but I, I was lacking on more interesting tackling of the themes that the movie was bringing up. And I, I can't really complain because I, I mean, here I am saying like the Barbie movie didn't appeal to me. It appealed to young ladies. And I'm like, wait a sec. Like, that, <laughs> I think that's that the makes point. sense, right? Yeah, yeah. that's the point. Um, so, you know, I, I can't I can't be too critical of that because, you know, I think I think there's a lot of there's way too many blockbuster movies aimed at uh, young men and boys that that we've been getting our whole lives. And it's I guess it's nice to see that there's finally a. A, a movie that really celebrates a blockbuster movie that really celebrates women and um means a lot to young girls so you know i think that's that i mean that's the best thing i guess in the end as as not being a, a movie critic as a person i think that's all i can really ask for if that makes sense and i actually do think that like now speaking as a critic i think what's really nice about barbie is even though you just said, and like, I would agree that this movie is definitely for a target audience of like young girls or maybe teenage girls. Like I also wouldn't say that as an excuse, like uh, there's a lot of movies that come out, like a lot of animated movies where it's like, Oh, it's a kid's movie. So like, of course it's not that good. And I don't say that about Barbie. Like I don't say about Barbie that it's for this target audience. Therefore I don't take it seriously. I think it's maybe not as good as it could have been, mm -hmm. but it's not like because it's for this target audience, it felt like it didn't have to have any kind of substance because yeah. I felt that like, as, as someone not in the target audience, not only could I appreciate, you know, what it was doing for its target audience. I also felt like there was a lot for me to grab onto, even though, you know, there are other movies that I have seen this year, which are better. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think this, the idea of a, mo a kid's movie has to be for kids is definitely like, um, not a great <laughs> idea. Like it's, it, it's an it excuse. Yeah. An excuse. Yeah. Yeah. I've, we've seen so many, I mean, Pixar, I think early, early Pixar was by far the best candidate of showing that a, like a movie aimed towards kids can have very mature themes that mm -hmm. both kids and uh, adults can appreciate. So, you know, I, I think a movie more in that vein was something I was hoping for uh, mm -hmm. as a movie critic. So, and, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that maybe Greta Gerwig's next, I don't know what she's directing next, but I like, I know she can do it. I, I know like it's, she's an amazing director i mean like like i think little women was like a perfect example of tackling the themes that were prevalent in barbie much more effectively 
and she mm-hmm. and she did it very well there. So I mean, she can do it if she wants to. I think she just kind of, you know, played into the the um, Mattel. I what was this Mattel Warner Brothers Discovery. Like, is it? Yeah. Is, yeah, like combination. Like, you know, she really played the game of working for the the big corporations and. You know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna diss her for getting the bag. So good for her. And, and also, I wonder if she, you know, goes back to something more personal or directs a bigger movie next time. Well, I'm really curious about what her next movie. Uh, I can tell you what her next movie is gonna be, like what the title of it is. But um, I'm really curious as to like what her next movie is gonna be like because. Um, you know, she has now made history as like the winningest female director of all time. So like she has a blank check for the next movie, I would assume to do whatever she wants. And I hope that like, I'm very interested to see, you know, I, it is my impression so far that the movies that she's made so far have been very much like what, what she wants and she's been able to put a lot of herself into those movies mm-hmm. like she's never had to be a studio goon like even this her big studio movie was like very much it was weird for a studio movie like it had a lot of it had a lot of her in it and it had a lot of things that i'm sure studios were probably she probably didn't have to fight the studios as much as I like to think maybe she might have on a lot of the interesting choices in this, but there were a lot of like non-obvious choices, like making Mattel the bad guys, even though they weren't really bad guys and they were just comic relief is already like, do you really want to go and ask Mattel to do that? Like, it's not an obvious thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was was, some parts of that were like, I thought it was quite bold. I was, I was surprised how far Mattel allowed it to happen, Mm -hmm. but also in the end, it's, like what they said at the end it's like if it makes the money i don't think they <laughs> they give oh, yeah. for trade however they want i don't think they really care yeah like i say i don't think she probably actually had to fight that hard for those things mm-hmm. but like she's making choices that at the very least are bold enough to be not obvious yeah yeah i can like she's that. not sucking up to the studio even if the studio is probably not being as hard on her as we like to think of studios being yeah um you know so but yeah her next movies are the narnia movies she's doing two of those yeah that that's actually really interesting i i feel like there's a lot of potential there and i'm really surprised as to how i mean who who was doing the last what studio had the last movies it sounds like it's Um, netflix now it's netflix now and before i don't think it was disney but it was released by disney Okay. But I, yeah, if she can make a Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe that I don't fall asleep during, that's amazing. Because <laughs> I you fall asleep. Actually, I don't think I've I've watched it several times, and I don't think I've stayed awake through the entire thing oh, once. Wow. I I don't know, man. That's my least. That's probably my least favorite of the Narnia books: the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm. It's like. It's so, it's done so often. It's just like, I've heard that story so many times and it's not anywhere close to being the most interesting. But uh, nobody likes a horse and his boy. So I guess we just don't get to see that one. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sorry. 
I don't know. I, I, isn't horse and a boy literally just like a horse and a boy like hanging out for the whole movie? Or yeah, it whole? is. Yeah, and I, I think know. I mean <laughs> I, I don't want to get too much into it, but like every time it comes up, and it comes up shockingly more often than you would think when I'm talking to people about the Narnia books, like I always go off about how a horse and his boy is my favorite because I think it has like the best world building of all of them and it's the only one that's not concerned with little english children living in england coming into a new world where they're like what is this fantasy world it's a guy who has to live in the fantasy world which i think is just like it's such an interesting it's so unique within the narnia books to like explore the perspective of someone who actually lives in that world and like grew up in it and i haven't lived i haven't i haven't read that book in a while but like it's I think it's like to me that's my favorite of all of them. But anyway, we'll see I if that ever gets made. I haven't read those one to be honest, so I can't oh, fair. I can't attest. I, I just I remember really liking Lion Witch in the Wardrobe and Prince Caspian, but I was a kid, so like I, I loved Prince Caspian. Really? Prince okay. Caspian, like the the character is like my favorite one in the books. Oh cool, and like okay. I think that the way that I remember at the time that when Prince Caspian was adapted, the um, the climactic battle, I was watching it and I'm like, this is exactly as I imagined it when I was reading mm. the book. Holy oh, cow. So, I remember it being, yeah, it had a really good like final fight with the, it had the trees. The trees came in and like tore shit up, right? I, I think so, it, yeah. Or is that, no, that yeah, that was that one. I mean, that's Lord of the Rings, but I think that might also be yeah, <laughs> Yeah, this is an odd... Well, what came? Chronicles came before or after Lord of the Rings, like, books-wise? I think they were roughly... They were very similar. Like, they came out... Because C.S. Lewis and and (laughs) Tolkien were contemporaries and possibly friends. It's hard to say whether or not they liked each other, but they talked a lot. That's fair. Uh, Yeah, no, it's a very ripe um, franchise for the making. I, I do think one of the problems, though, too, is that the characters change like there's not really main characters right like no there are and like that's a big problem and that's part of the reason that like that's one of the things you have to do with the narnia series is like if you want to make the whole series you kind of have to get it ready to go right away because there are main characters and those main characters don't grow don't age too much between the books like Oh, right, yeah. Uh, I mean, by the end, they're all adults. So, like, eventually you get to the point where they've aged a lot. But, like, if you want to do The Lion, the Witch, if you want to do all of the stories um, around the main cast of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you have to, like, plan it out so you can do all of those. Because there's, like, four books, and two of them involve a new cast of characters that you now also have to plan around. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually really it's kind of a Harry Potter problem, but I feel like it's potentially way worse. Potentially, to, yeah. Yeah, to like actually figure out because at least in Harry Potter, you kind of get like it's been like a year since the last movie or something. So well, and like Harry Potter, if you get to book six, you don't you haven't already set up a group of people to start in to like become the main characters in book eight. Because yeah, there is yeah. none. It's like the same cast the whole way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Narnia aside, 
Yeah. Uh, final thoughts before we, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about just like this weekend, this Barbenheimer weekend. Sure. But before we get to that, uh, final thoughts on Barbie. Like what, if you had to put a rating on it, what would you say? Any last thoughts? Um, I'd say it's like a 6.5 for me. Fun movie. Um, I, I really like the Ken. <laughs> Some of me want. I like Ken. Actually, no, I only really like Ryan Gosling as Ken. I thought Simu Liu was all right. I thought Kingsley Ben-Adir. I honestly don't know why he keeps getting cast in things because I, I just never think he's good in anything. I just saw him in Secret Invasion. Have you seen, I, have you seen One Night in Miami? Yeah, we reviewed that. I He played... um. Malcolm X, right? I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, so. I don't know. I don't remember liking. I mean, I thought I, I, he was probably all right. It just wasn't like a mind blowing performance for me, I guess. Fair. Um, but yeah, I, I just saw him in Secret Invasion earlier this week and he was terrible in that whole show. And him in this. Okay, wait. Can we. There's a couple things I want to mention. Can we go about the yeah, Kens? Yeah. Um, like, I always thought, like, wasn't there like a weird vibe to Ken- Kingsley Benadir's Ken? Like he seemed like a downer, right? Like at the party scene, he was just kind of like he looked kind of like sad and like not into it, you know. And like, I just I don't know. I always thought it was weird that like they never delved into some of like the Kens. Like they were acting odd. Um, it's the same thing with uh, actually with Michael Sarah. Is that like? I don't Alan. know what why his character Alan like I don't know why his character was there. There was something really interesting there that I thought would be kind of revealed later in the movie, but he he was just kind of a weird character that everyone made fun of, which I get I like I get he's based on a doll, but like I thought there would be more of a revelation later. He felt like a I don't know like like the, a twist character that you find out like he was the bad guy the whole time or like mm-hmm. he's actually like. I don't know. It was just, it was stuff like that. Like, like did yeah, you pick up any vibes for? So, like, each of the Kens definitely had their own personality. And, like, only Simu Liu's Ken felt like his personality was fully explored, I want to say. Because, like, mm. he was relatively shallow, but also he yeah. got a lot of screen time specifically as a supporting character to Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. Where, like, Kingsley Benadir and um, I hope I'm saying this name right, Nkuti Gatwa, uh, they had stuff going on and it would have been interesting to explore that more. And I felt like it just kind of wasn't done. Like, I'm pretty sure one of them, I don't remember which one, I'm pretty sure one of them was gay. But Mm. also it was only ever hinted at. Yeah, like... Maybe, like, I, I just don't know why, like, make all the Barbies, like, all the Barbies acted all similar, like, they were all happy and stuff, but, like, all the Kens, like, were acting odd, <laughs> like, like, there was something wrong, with and it was just kind of, like, why would you put that there and, like, not really address it, because it would have been much easier to just make them all act like stereotypical Kens, you know, but. Well, I think, I wonder, again, maybe being more charitable than I should be, but, like, um, it might be part of the point. Like all of the Kens were individual people who just like weren't basically were completely ignored. Like there's several lines where people say, Oh, we don't care about Ken, 
where like yeah. even and even though all of these characters all the kens had their own distinct personalities and could have mm. been explored at least as far as like you know for the barbies they weren't the, for the barbies i feel like the barbies all had their own distinct personalities but they were all explored a lot better like president barbie had a lot to do and felt like a complete character even if it's not mm. like an exactly a super deep character same with like nobel prize winner barbie writer barbie judge or lawyer barbie all of them felt like they were explored as much as they needed to be where all the kens sort of felt like like kingsley benadir he's the one at the very end who's like can we have a supreme court justice maybe that's lawyer ken but like we never learn about that because mm. he only gets to be ken the whole time and like isn't given the chance even in universe isn't given the room in his own world to like grow and find himself right yeah yeah maybe there was kind of a hidden hidden theme there that's actually a good point um yeah i don't know i i i will say though that like i, th I thought um the idea that this movie isn't for men at all too isn't true because i i thought i thought the male the the message for men really stuck out very well and clear to me and yeah I'm, again, maybe it's because I am a man, but I think it, from, it, it could be. Yeah, but from I can tell, if, like from a storytelling perspective, that it, it was much better done on that side, and I thought the emotional part hit um, much more subtly, but still effectively. If that makes sense, uh, the mm -hmm. idea that you know men shouldn't make their entire personality around if they can, if they can, like you know, attract women essentially, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was that was actually a very that was a theme that really hit me that it really hit me pretty hard. So I like that part of the movie. So yeah, good Ken's yeah. Good for Ken. Sorry. Uh, anyways, yes, I would say six point five. Fun movie. Uh, a little bloated in terms of themes, but if you go into it with tempered expectations <laughs> uh, for what the movie is, you'll have a very good time. Mm hmm. And I guess I would say, like, for me, it's a strong seven. I I would agree if you go in with tempered expectations, that's the best way to go into this movie. I went in with what I believe are tempered expectations and liked it an awful lot more than I probably should have. Mm. So, like, you know, if you go in, if you go in with reasonable expectations, you may come out liking it a lot more than you think, which is what happened to me. So I would say, like, a strong seven for me. Amazing. So, um, some final notes on, like, everything that's happened over this weekend and, uh, ne next weekend when we're, um, when, when we're recording this, not in, in the future, uh, Barbenheimer weekend. How do you think it went? What are your, what, what are your oh, thoughts on, like, what this, what this whole thing has been? Um... I don't know. I, I I think it's it's kind of a, a beautiful moment in maybe cinematic history. Like it's a very standout moment. I I <laughs> I don't think it really it can ever be done again. Um, I I like I, I don't know how to say I I loved I loved the idea of it. To me, it didn't. I mean, I guess I didn't get to technically do Barbenheimer <laughs> like on the surface, but. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I I just I honestly believe it's like one of the most amazing marketing ploys though that I've seen like probably ever, honestly, like Yeah, I don't know. And I think like I think it is kind of amazing that these movies both did as well as they did and like really shockingly well. Like not just did both of these movies get a lot of money, but they also broke so many different box office records both Mm. together and individually um and i really and i think that like it's especially powerful to see that in a year where as you mentioned on the last episode so many franchise films came out and bombed at the same time yeah so a lot (laughs) i don't think I mean, I I don't have any confidence that Hollywood ever learns the right lesson after anything. So mm-hmm. I don't think that this is like that we're going to see that many more movies, you know, being inspired by this in the next few years necessarily. Like, you know, if anything, maybe next year we get another scientist biopic and also the Polly Pocket movie, which... Neither of those things is going to do well, but that could be the thing that you take from it. Like, I don't, and I, I, but also like, I think if, if the move, if the year ends and these movies did so, so well and every franchise that came out this year did not do well, then like, I think this might be the first step on the way out of franchise hell, which might be nice, you know, I do like Marvel as much as I actually, as much as I shit on Marvel, I like Marvel as much as the next guy. It's just that I hate that every movie coming out is like part of a larger franchise where you need like the Marvels coming out this year. We already mentioned it a while ago. I'm actually very excited for that movie. I am not super pumped that it's a movie that is a sequel to Miss Marvel, WandaVision, Captain Marvel, and Secret Invasion. I think that's, even if it, like, if it works well, it'll work well because it stands alone. Like, you're, mm-hmm. being a sequel to all four of those things is just bad. And I really hope that watching it, it doesn't require that much context from all of those because, yikes. I I watched all of those things, but I don't actually know that many people who did. So, yeah, and, yeah. I. No, go I'm ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say yeah. This, uh, I mean, this the summer's just been so weird. I think so many of the expect like this. I this has definitely been the biggest summer since. Actually, I can't like. There's been so many movies this summer. Like it's insane. I I can't remember the last time there was this, this many summer blockbusters. Um, and yeah, I, I, there, I think this summer really showed like the sentiment, um, the, the built-in expectations, you know, cause again, like Barbenheimer was completely organic, right? That marketing, mm-hmm. that marketing thing. And like, you're right. They're, they're probably going to find like some very surface level, uh, make some very surface level, uh, judgments based on that. But yeah, I don't like the the truth is is that like you you can't rely on these these names anymore because honestly a lot of these names have been driven into the ground like like how many shitty transformer movies have there been? And it's like with well, social media now it's like you can't hide that anymore. Like 
if, if a movie's bad, people are going to talk about it and people are going to see, you know? And like, I challenge you to find me one Indiana Jones fan who loves Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, yeah. And like, if people weren't, if, if, if Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was already poorly received, why make a sequel to that movie? Just like because it, you can do an Indiana Jones movie. Like, most Indiana Jones fans that I have seen around are like, oh yeah, the series had three great movies and, they, and it ended with the third one. And like, you know, what's the point of continuing that franchise just because it's a franchise? Yeah, there, it's, it's, there's a lot of just because. Like, especially with budgets. Like, if you look at like, Fast 10 or like Mission Impossible 7 it's like just because it's like the seventh iteration doesn't mean you should give Tom Cruise 300 million dollars to to film this movie because there really isn't any precedence for like Mission Impossible is a great franchise you know it's been very critically received and it's made money but like mm-hmm. it's never made money above like like I think Fallout made like 600 mil or something which is great if the budget's under control, you know, but like, I think with COVID with COVID and uh, maybe relying on some of these, these, because you know, when you're at the seventh iteration of a franchise, you know, you, your actors are going to ask for a lot more money. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of these budgets just aren't doable and acceptable. And that's why we're seeing so many bombs is just that like, like you can't, you can't, you can't put 200 mil just because transformers is in the name. Or three hundred mil mm-hmm. because Harrison Ford's in it anymore. That doesn't that doesn't work. We're kind of past that era. Or as we just saw, like Secret Invasion had a budget of two hundred and twelve million dollars, <laughs> and nobody watched it. No one watched it, and when you watch it, you really can't tell why it cost them two hundred and twelve million dollars, like at all. Yeah, like it looks terrible too. I mean, even in Secret Invasion, the scrolls. Look, like, I know that's the visual that they've got for the scrolls, but, like, you would think with that much money, they could just make them look not like goblin suits. Like, yeah, they, wh- why do they look like they're made of plastic? Yeah, there's definitely an issue where... I mean, I- I'm honestly surprised they didn't use CGI for the scrolls. Like, I guess I praise them for that, but also it's like... if the If you can't have them ever look like scrolls, because the makeup process is too long or the prosthetics is too much, then you have a problem because... I mean, I would praise them for not using CGI if they didn't look like puppets. Like, (laughs) they have to look good for me to be like, wow, you didn't use CGI, great. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, Yeah, but honestly, I think that was like one of the least, the worst, like the least, I think the biggest issue is just writing too, like... Across all these blockbusters, uh, in the end, it's just like the writing's not good. And Hollywood has this weird thing where they'll just hire bad writers because they're reliable and they'll do what the studio mm-hmm. says. Um, and I really hope that changes too because it really makes no sense for why some of these writers are getting work again. Um, but to be fair, some of these, I mean, apparently the writer for Secret Invasion was from Mr. Robot. I think we talked about this last time. I don't know because I didn't like Mr. Robot that much. So I don't know why that's a huge plus, but like that's a pretty good get on the resume. Mr. Yeah. Robot is a well-received show. 
And, and it was well received among other things for its writing. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's, you know, it's, that's a good get. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think also part of the franchise issue was, is this need to churn out the content as quickly as possible. And that's definitely a problem at Marvel. I think it's sort of a problem with these other, other, other franchises. Um, well, actually well, it can't be too bad, I, but you can definitely tell the scripts are half baked for a lot of them. No, but I think you're, I think you're right about it being a problem at Marvel, but I don't think it's a Marvel problem. I think it's a problem in big part with like move the move towards streaming because Today, like nowadays, maybe not this particular, maybe not this month in particular, but like nowadays, there is more content coming out uh, than maybe ever before. Like there are more TV shows and more movies than there ever has been before. And like streaming services are still losing money by amounts that don't even sound like real numbers to me yeah (laughs) and so you know i'm i'm hoping that especially with this weekend with uh with barbenheimer weekend the real lesson here is quality over quantity because like even though you said you didn't like barbie that much you still put it above a five and like there have been a lot of movies this year that you haven't gotten anywhere close to a five for yeah. Right. So it's like, at the very least, it's like good versus just existing for the point of, you know, for the, because it has to exist. And I really hope that like, that's a lesson that studios can take from this. And especially, you know, especially with the writers and actors strikes going on right now, like one of the concerns is studios wanting to employ but not employ specifically, probably not employ, but wanting to use a lot of AI. Mm. And like the only reason you would want to do that is to churn out more content, like more quantity over things. And like, you know, I'm hoping that I really hope that the resolution of those strikes, which are obviously still ongoing, those strikes and movies like these two coming out and, you know, going forward in 2024 and beyond is that there's at least a superficial move towards more quality over quantity. Like there's so much stuff coming out and so little of it is very good. And like, I really hope that ratio changes. There's always going to be way more shit than quality, but like it's, it's like a lot more shit than quality right now than it even has to be. Yeah, I I have the same hope. I, I think, yeah, once we... I, I feel like eventually we will have to do an episode on the streaming wars as a retrospective because, yeah, it's, it's, it's reaching a weird point and it's not financially viable at all in a lot of ways anymore, so... And also, like, selfishly, the name of this show is Classic Movies Live. I want to mm. talk about classic movies. I think we did that with these two because... Whether or not, whether or not Oppenheimer and Barbie go down as Greta Gerwig and um, Nolan's best movies, this was an important event that is going to like this opening weekend for these is for these two movies. We're not going to see another one of these very soon, 
unless and if we do, that's its own huge event. Like, yeah, for sure. This is, I, I think these two are going to be movies that people talk about for a long time, if not necessarily because of the movies themselves, definitely because of like what they accomplished at the box office. And like, I don't know, when we're talking about classic movies, it would be cool to actually be able to talk about classic movies and not like have to choose between Indiana Jones and Batman 17. Yeah. This repetitive churned out, uh, I want to say, I don't want to say garbage, but it's definitely starting to feel Some, that way Sometimes now. it is. Like, I yeah, think, yeah. I, I think we're pretty good about avoiding most garbage, but like there have definitely been some weeks where, you know, we'll, we'll talk about after, after we're off the air, we'll talk about like, what's the next movie going to be? And our options are almost entirely bullshit or we go back 40 years. Yeah. Which is never actually a bad idea. We should probably do that more often. But like, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of times where we just don't have good options available. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's depressing. Um, but hey, I it seems like there's gonna be a big drought in huge blockbuster movies for the next few months. So maybe we we'll finally get to see, you know, some some weird stuff. Or cool original movies happen. I just saw this one movie on Netflix, uh, who cloned Tyrone or something. That was very good. That came it was out good. last weekend. So yeah, yeah. That's um, uh, that's Pierre's secret recommendation of the day. There you go. Who cloned Tyrone? I think that's what it's called. They cloned something. Tyrone. They cloned Tyrone. Yeah. 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 Anyways, that was a good one. It was a good one. Um. Yeah. So, that's, that's what's our what's our last word, Pierre? Movies.